Welcome to Unboxy World, the podcast where philosophy meets tech. In each episode, we're connecting the dots between philosophy, technology, society, science, and progressive thought. And together with brilliant minds across the world who dare to challenge the way we think and live in today's society, we are unboxing our minds one episode at a time. I am Ria Salting. I am a tech professional during the day and a philosopher at night. And if you enjoy this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest unboxed episode. So let's get started. Let's unbox ourselves. Welcome back to Unboxy World. What if companies would actually pay the true cost of their footprint and anyone on the flip side could get paid for things that would benefit us all, such as planting trees and restoring the earth? What if we redesigned our economic system so that the true gains and the true costs are fully represented in the financial return. What if we could transition into a so-called impact economy? Alan Laubsch, today's guest, he is an internationally recognized risk management thought leader and impact investor. His mission is to protect life and to regenerate and restore Earth's economic system by growing an Earth-positive economy that includes nature in our global accounting systems. So in today's episode, you will learn what an impact economy could look like and the philosophy behind it. How currency would work in an impact economy. The role of blockchain in creating an impact economy. And if any such economies exist today. And la lastly, what needs to happen for us to transition into an impact economy? So welcome back to the show. Let's get to it. So hello, welcome Alan Laubsch, founder of Generation Blue. Welcome to Unbox Your World. Thank you, Maria. Good to be here. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, we met at a, a conference recently and um, I listened to one of your keynote speak, um, keynote talks, I mean, um, and you talked about how we can reinvent our financial systems and transition into an impact economy or regenerative economy, uh, which you will talk about more soon. Um, so just for the listeners first, what is a regenerative economy and what is the philosophy behind it? Great. Thanks for that opening question. Mm -hmm. Yeah, to, to, to start with a, a regenerative economy is very much like, you know, nature works. Um, it, uh, it's sustainable. Um, it, uh, it's uh, an economy in which uh, the different participants act with each other with uh, reciprocity, with cooperation. Um, and um, uh, and it's an evolutionary system as well. Um, specifically, what my mission mission is is to 
transform an extractive economy that values death into a regenerative economy that values life so that uh, the forests are not just worth their value in timber that can be sold, but where we value the ecosystem services um, at a very minimum that they provide, like the provision of carbon sequestration, oxygen, uh, water cycles, and all the other things that are so vital for life. So I look at um, uh, the, uh, the economics aspect of it in, uh, in a simple term uh, that we've coined called earth positive. Right? So what's an earth positive economy? Um, it's one that leaves earth uh, better, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's really based on um, principles that you can find throughout indigenous cultures, right? Think seven generations ahead, tread carefully, and leave a handprint that's bigger than your footprint, right? So in our existing economy, we have these things called externalities, like pollution, the pollution of our water, air, soils, and those are not counted. They're not part of the economic system. They're absent. Um, these externalities have become like a death star that are threatening the very planet because the pollution is literally choking us. It's, um, you know, destroying our environment and making it, making our planet inhabitable, not just for ourselves, but for the vast majority of the species that co-inhabit with us. So the question is, how do we shift um, from an, an extractive economy with these externalities to a regenerative one uh, where there are no externalities? Um, you know, there's no profit until all the costs are paid for. Um, so that means the air or the water or um, uh, changing the uh, water cycles, uh, you know, eroding the soil. All of those are damages. Uh, and um, uh, the only kinds of ventures that will be successful and sustainable in the long run are really ones that are regenerative, that give back more than they take, that actually leave uh, the earth better than they found it, um, that have not externalities uh, that are negative, mm -hmm. but only externalities that are positive. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think that's that's what really. Uh, I mean, I come from a business. I come from a business university, and that's what really um, appealed to me in your talk. How you explain that in a way that I think a lot of people may, can understand um, that you know these externalities we're not paying for the full cost, and how can we? Um, yeah, so it really resonated with me, and I think it's a good way to um, yeah, communicate this more widely. Um, so how do I mean? What do you do? And um. um when you work on this on a day-to-day -day basis, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, it might, might be worthwhile talking a little bit about how I, I got to where I am. Um, I, I yeah, actually started yeah. in the traditional financial world as a risk manager on Wall Street, um, building models to quantify risk. Mm -hmm. um, it was a successful company. We um, spun off from uh, from from uh, from the bank and actually, uh, mm -hmm. you know, ended up listing the company just during the beginning of the financial crisis. And I realized that, um, you know, we, you know, despite all the models that we have that estimate short-term visible risk, we're really not good at estimating uh, the longer-term risks and the ones that are invisible on a day-to-day -day basis, like the carbon emissions that we're, yeah. we've been releasing to the atmosphere, um, you know, that are imperceptible uh, on a day-to-day -day basis, but uh, that are wreaking havoc, um, you know, that we can see. Mm -hmm. 
uh, in the coming uh, decades uh, and certainly centuries. Um, so how do we actually manage our risks better as became, became the challenge for me collectively, not just how do we manage it better as a, as a bank or as a hedge fund looking at ourselves, but how do we um, manage collective planetary risks like climate, like biodiversity? Mm-hmm. And um, I, um, you know, I, I worked for a while doing uh, network analysis, which is uh, very interesting because it's how ecosystems work, networks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, have a few different dimensions. They, they, they can be, you know, there can be a level of efficiency in the network, but much more important uh, is the resilience uh, of a network, which is related to the diversity. And I realized that, um, you know, we have a monoculture um, in money systems, in economic systems, in agricultural systems, and we've emphasized efficiency over resilience. And so now we're in a period of systemic collapse. Uh, we're seeing, um, you know, uh, we've seen the financial system collapse in 2008, which we still haven't recovered from. Um, we've seen, um, you know, uh, food systems start mm-hmm. to uh, get severely affected. Um, all these systems are uh, that are supporting our civilization are actually in decline uh, or collapse. So uh, the question really is, how do we create systems that are actually resilient, that um, work like nature, uh, where, you know, um, you know, they, they recover, they, they actually regenerate, uh, they may not be super, super efficient, uh, there's a lot of redundancy, uh, but they work and they thrive, uh, and they're beautiful. And so I've always been inspired by nature. Um, and um, interestingly, when I first learned about blockchain with with, with Bitcoin, I thought, uh, wow, here we have a system that that's kind of like nature because it's decentralized, right? There's not a single, um, you know, uh, central coordinating uh, function. There's just like there's no boss in a coral reef. You have uh, peers that are operating the network. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you know 99% of the nodes go down, the whole system can reconstitute just the way that uh, a single you know uh, seed from a pine cone can uh, repopulate an entire forest. So I thought that was very very interesting. And then this concept of having an alternative currency like Bitcoin. Uh, with which you couldn't do anything in the beginning, um, but it was simply a reward that you got for you know for basically helping the system um, operate through proof of work, and uh, and that made me think, gosh, you know, um, it's so interesting to consider if we can have other uh, other kinds of currencies with purpose uh, around regenerating nature, um, and. Um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's what I what I do a lot. I research uh, alternative mm-hmm. currencies. I mm-hmm. advise on various projects that are designing different currencies. Uh, DAOs, of course, decentralized autonomous organizations, which is uh, really the best way to to, to govern things. Um, you know, it's uh, very much like a, a, a co-op, but uh, but digitized and uh, you know decentralized on the blockchain, so much more resilient as well. So would you um, say, uh, for the listeners, a DAO is like a cooperative, but in the this, like in the digital world? Yeah, in the digital yeah. world, right? Yeah. So, um, and um, and you know that's uh, yeah, it's it's an extraordinary way for us to to harness the collective intelligence of an entire community, uh, for us to include all the different stakeholders, um, for us to not be dominated uh, by, you know, a, a single boss, again, a single point mm-hmm. of failure. It's really a community that carries something. 
So to me, that's, um, that's really the, the, the future of governance. Um, and um, so I spend a lot of time advising projects that are earth positive, that are healing mm-hmm. the earth in some way, um, while, as my friend says, uh, healing us at the same way as well. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, as we're healing the planet, we're healing ourselves. Um, and, um, there's, you know, there's, uh, yeah, so much, so much, um, intelligence and creativity out there that is actually shaping, uh, how, how, uh, we are evolving, uh, as human beings on this planet. Mm. So in, uh, in, uh, an impact economy or a regenerative economy, um, how would, a currency then work in practice because um, I also guess that in order to transition into a new type of currency you would also maybe use the real money we have now before mm-hmm. transitioning into it right so yeah how right. do you p- picture that and I, how would it really work like what is how do you put the value on a uh, planting a tree <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, there's been a lot of pioneering work already um, on this um, and um you know, one one idea, for example, I think Delton Chen was the first one who came up with a carbon coin um, managed by central banks, um, okay. which uh, uh, rewards um, you know people for stewarding their land well, uh, not just what they produce, not just what they extract mm-hmm. from it. Um, and uh, a great book to read is uh, Ministry for the Future, uh, which features that mm-hmm. as one of the kind of breakthrough kind of solutions. So that's. That's how one particular currency could work. Um, for me, I've been working on, I've been pioneering um, uh, crypto-based uh, coins that are decentralized. Um, and uh, you know what we designed in, in 2016 was a coin backed by mangrove restoration. Mm-hmm. Um, so every mangrove planted at the Tor Haradol Climate Park in Myanmar um, you know, uh, would mint one mangrove token um we called the tree coin initially and uh that tree coin is then backed by part of the ecosystem services that the mangrove uh, uh provides so um this project is now receiving blue carbon credits uh and half of the credits go to the local community um and to the land stewards who are really you know taking mm-hmm. care of this and the other half go towards the financial investors. So in a way, we have um, uh, a tree coin that uh, represents the, 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 the thriving living um, uh, mangrove tree and the bountiful dividends uh, it gets uh, every, you know, well, in a way, every, every single minute of the day is providing ecosystem services, whether it's producing oxygen or sequestering mm-hmm. carbon. But what's backing this are these uh, bare carbon credits. So that's that's one example of how that works. Um, it's they are using that in, in practice right now. Um, yeah. Y- yes. Yeah, so we we uh, we we minted uh, almost one million uh, coins, um, but they have other sources of funding as well. So this project, when we we stepped in, um, when other funding sources dried out, uh, mm-hmm. they had about they had planted already about five million trees, and so we sponsored another million trees um, for the planting and allowed them to also pay for the Vera certification. Mm-hmm. And now the project has about ten million trees, and they're selling the Vera credits to big corporations as well. So we were uh, we were just a small part of the ecosystem, but we helped help them bridge a very important time with that. So it was a funding solution. Um, so the, one of the, one of the advantages of tokenization is really that it allows you to, 
um, find ways to raise money for for nature. And that's really what I want to do is create a, a bank for nature. So now we have migrated the street coin from Lika, which was a Swiss exchange, um, which pioneered the first decentralized exchange back in 2015 uh, into Mangrove Data Earth. And we're just kind of setting up how, how the governance should work. We have a seed reward token and uh, some community members. And you know uh, now we're figuring out, okay, how should we reward the seeds? What should we do with the, uh, with the uh, carbon credits? Our mission is to help support other projects as well. So how do we reinvest uh, some of these valuable carbon credits now into starting other projects? So those are the kinds of things that, uh, that I'm thinking about. Cool. Uh, it's great that we have people like you inventing around these uh, <laughs> topics. <laughs> yeah. Um, so a blockchain also obviously plays a part of realizing this uh, regenerative economy system. Um, but how, like in, in the, uh, explain for a three-year-old? <laughs> yeah, sure. So, um, you know, blockchain allows you to keep track of information that doesn't rely on a central authority, right? A friend of mine has explained it in a, in a cool way, saying that it's kind of like when, you, uh, when you're playing uh, football or soccer as, a, as, as, as kids, and everyone knows the score of the game. Right. There's not, you don't need to have just the, the referee with everyone just knows because everyone sees everything. It's totally transparent. Right. So that's the value of blockchain. Uh, you don't have to, you know, trust uh, the accounting system of one centralized entity that can then change the accounting system. Um, you know, once information is written to block, it's permanent. Um, and, you know, it's distributed across the entire ecosystem. If anyone tampers with one of these blocks and tries to alter the information and say, oh, I planted actually 2 million mangroves, not 1 million, uh, then basically that, um, you know, that block will not fit with anything else. And uh, we will know that, uh, you know, that's not correct. So it, it creates a level of trust uh, as well. And then probably most importantly, um, it, uh, it can incentivize the uh, the kind of behavior that is um, uh, earth positive. Um, so, you know, tokens can be rewarded for positive actions, right? Uh, ultimately, this is what uh, drives behavior. Uh, we like to think uh, it's just about lecturing people about what the right moral, the moral thing to do is. We've been doing that for decades, uh, you know, uh, telling various companies that they're bad for polluting and this and that. And, you know, they, you know, politely, you know, you know, deflect from that, but still do the same thing. But once you set an incentive, like put a carbon tax or put a price on carbon or put a price on whatever pollution, uh, you know, they, they, they might generate, uh, then you see the change in behavior, right? So it really incentivizes uh, behavior as well. And ultimately, what we want to do is have a system in which we reward the good players, right? And so that's where, um, you know, new forms of money are super important. Uh, things like complementary currencies have pioneered that way before blockchain. Powered with blockchain, complementary currencies be can become a lot more powerful because it's super resilient. It's not controlled by a single, uh, you know, entity. Whereas a complementary currency could be uh, issued by a well, it could be a corporation, it could be a foundation, but uh, it has a physical presence and can be very easily, um, you know, uh, shut down, right? So just ask the guys who set up a complementary currency in Thailand, uh, even though it was blessed by the king, you know, within, uh, you know, days of them, you know, announcing this community currency, literally the army showed up, 
right? And that's what they do. Typically, you know, when any oh, group of mm-hmm. people set up a new currency, it's a threat uh, to, um, you know, to, to, to the existing world order. So it happened in Austria, uh, you know, when they set up their, their currency immediately banned. Whereas the decentralization on the internet um, is really important because it makes it resilient. No single party can shut this thing down any more than you can shut down, uh, you know, an, 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 an app that lives uh, on the internet um, and is open source and therefore totally decentralized. Um, so that's another aspect of blockchain that's so important is open source, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, you know, that information is there. Uh, even if someone were to, you know, uh, get, you know, somehow figure out how to shut down every single Bitcoin node and eliminate Bitcoin, pretty much impossible, but the code base could be used to create another such thing, right? So that's another really important part uh, of, uh, of this kind of technology, the, uh, the, the open source nature of it. Um, and the fact that it allows... That, that you can recreate it. That it uh, you can recreate it, yeah. Like a, yeah. Like a DNA or... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. And build, yeah, and cool. build on yeah. top of it, right? That this is, mm-hmm. this is like, you know, this is like, uh, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's like DNA code uh, that can be used as it is or that can be altered. So it's like a building block for others. And then finally, what's important is that it's open and permissionless, meaning anyone can can participate into a blockchain, right? Um, you you can't lend, you know, you can't limit it by, uh, you know, what nationality you are in, or you know, what what mm-hmm. race or you know, sex you are. You know, it's yeah. just, you know, anyone can buy Bitcoin, anyone can mine Bitcoin, anyone can participate. So the openness of this mm-hmm. allows, um, you know, anyone to to join in a voluntary way which I Mm -hmm. think is also very important because any government solution, um, these are mandates uh, that you're forced to, you know, you're forced to adopt. Whereas if Mm -hmm. there are, you know, whereas something like Bitcoin, Bitcoin has never been forced on on anyone. You you voluntarily join. (laughs) You don't pay your taxes in Bitcoin, right? Um, So so this, uh, you know, so in my view, um, the whole the whole world of blockchain and cryptocurrency is a very important uh, force for empowering individuals um, to really create individuals that are sovereign uh, and not uh, reliant uh, on only nation based governance uh, structures, which frankly are um, irrelevant for the big problems that we're solving. Right? No nation based governance system will will address any global issues like climate change, like global biodiversity loss. Uh, and things like that. Um, so blockchain enables us to come together as a as a planetary community across all the different kind of borders as well. Yeah, so that's a good explanation. Thank you. <laughs> um, so my next question, which you've kind of already um, replied to, but um, was if we have uh, if we have any societies or communities today that already reply, apply a regenerative economy. So you mentioned the mangrove trees, mm-hmm. um, but are there any like bigger um, societies that use this today or try to use it? Um, yeah, thank- thankfully there are some real mm-hmm. pioneers in that space that have done this for, you know, way before the internet even. Um, you know, we have, uh, you know, in, in Switzerland, we have the Veer as a compl- complementary currency. Um, Bernard Leotaire would be really good to uh, watch some of his YouTubes. Uh, absolutely brilliant pioneer oh. in the use of community currencies. What was his uh, name? His name is Bernard Leotaire. Yeah, Bernard uh, Leotaire. 
Why not layered there? Yes, yes. And I can can send a a link for that later for anyone who wants to watch. Uh, He's published a few books on that as well. Mm There's so many amazing examples, um, you know, and the idea is that you des- that you know he was a designer of currencies with purpose, right? Um, mm. You'd have a you know a, a, an example where a community needs to you know, for example, stimulate um, uh, small to medium sized enterprises, um, which actually you know create the most jobs but have the most difficulty getting credit. Um, so um, there's actually uh, um, the country of Uruguay has implemented a currency uh, which uh, is backed by uh, invoices from these small to medium sized enterprises um, uh, that can then also be converted back into the fiat. Um, but basically, money, what money is, is, is credit. It's a credit system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and um, and so they've created a new kind of money. Um, new kind of credit system that can be backed by invoices of these SMEs, and that essentially allowed them to uh, to receive um, uh, much better uh, interest rate terms because that currency uh, is being circulated without without interest payments. So there's a benefit to using that currency, um, and so that's been uh, very very effective even on a national scale. Um, uh, you know, there's community currencies like the the Brixton pound. Uh, that have been uh, very, very successful where you can, you know, I think the mayor even uh, receives his or her uh, salary uh, in, in Brixton pounds. You can go to stores and get a discount, I think a 10% discount if you pay with that. And that keeps, uh, it supports the local uh, communities, right? So there's a lot of sort of alternative community currency work uh, there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in terms of uh, larger scale um, uh, you know, kind of specifically around ecological currencies that are that are that that are being designed. Um, uh, you know, there there are great projects like uh, the Seeds cryptocurrency, which has been um, sponsoring uh, regenerative projects uh, really around the world. Um, you know, really wonderful team behind that, and, and very thoughtful design and architecture uh, of that. Um, you know, they've done some great stuff in, uh, in Costa Rica, for example, um, but also uh, a number of other countries. So there, there are a few, quite a few pioneering um, uh, currencies that are actually being used um, in, uh, in, in practice. And I think that uh, that will only grow. Um, but I'll mention to you, um, you know, very simple, uh, simple example. They found that, you uh, know, in, in Africa and some communities, they're using monopoly money. Um, and that helps uh, feed more people. It helps actually stimulate economic growth because the lack there is that there's just not enough money. So even just having a token which represents, um, okay, here's a here's a credit, you know, and you can use that within the system. Um, that uh, that is enough uh, to you know to uh, to actually uh, create um, you know uh, you know create the kind of uh, trust networks and reciprocity networks that you. That you need for a thriving economy. Do you mean like there's not enough money, as in not enough printed money, or? Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, okay. Just right. So if you just have, it's it's an accounting system. It really is. You know, okay. it's it, this way. You know, everyone knows that. Okay, let's you know let's use the money in monopoly. Let's distribute it out in some way, and then you know uh, at least we have a way to. Okay, here's you know I give you one for the soup, and then I can use. You know, then whoever makes the soup can use that uh, to buy the ingredients for the soup and things like that. So that 
even that has worked, uh, and there um, there there are some projects in Africa that are actually using uh, complementary currencies that are actually backed with um, an investment in uh, the capability of of a community. So they might, um, for example, put in a, a solar oven there, which then can you know uh, have a have a bakery and then uh, create a system of money around that. Um, so it's not just out of completely thin air. Um, but there are um, many pioneering projects around the world uh, working working in this area of alternative and community kind of currencies. Okay, cool. So yeah, it's a uh, it's a whole cool world to dive into. <laughs> so what you said, like, so I mean, it's great that it's happening at a small scale. Um, what would need to happen in order for us to transition into? A regenerative economy at a global scale. Yeah, yeah. The the the, um, the bullet question, right? <laughs> yeah. So you know, how do we? Yeah, how do we really make mm-hmm. this scale globally for the global problems, right? Um, and you know, we're we're all all facing uh, you know climate change, right? Uh, you know the the uh, you know the atmosphere is completely connected. Uh, a car a ton of carbon that I emit uh, here in Portugal. Um, you know, will affect the atmosphere just like a ton of carbon uh, that you emit in Stockholm or uh, in Myanmar. Uh, and, uh, you know, by the same uh, metric, of course, the mangrove that's planted in Myanmar um, that draws down a ton of mar- ton of carbon over 20 years uh, is uh, just as effective in terms of our climate as, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, a forest uh, in uh, Switzerland, uh, where you know more trees would have to do the same thing. So, um, so to in order to scale, um, you know, we need to look at the the kind of global problems we want to we want to address that are challenges that our existing financial system doesn't uh, address, like these externalities. Um, and so that's a perfect uh, example of designing a currency with purpose around this. So. Um, we can uh, design climate currencies like a carbon coin, for example, from Ministry of the Future, uh, from that sci-fi that then actually acts as a reward uh, mechanism uh, and as an incentive um, to really reward those that are doing the right things. Um, uh, we ought to have a biodiversity coin to reward um, actions that promote biodiversity. Um, you could have uh, all the other kind of ecosystem services that are so vital uh, to human beings uh, around, let's say the the, the water cycle, um, you know, uh, you know, food security, resilience, and so on. Um, you might, uh, you know, go on and uh, design currencies around the United Nations uh, seventeen Sustainable Development Goals as well, right? Um, so there are um, there are then ways uh, in which you can design currencies with a purpose. And again, Bernard Lietert would be amazing to uh, to kind of look at as a pioneer who has exactly done things like that uh, on kind of a local uh, issue, on a local level. Like how do we design a currency that helps regenerate um, a neighborhood with high unemployment, with, uh, you know, um, a lot of social conflict um, and uh, a very, very ugly environment? How do we transform that into a harmonious uh, environment with a, a lot of nature. Um, and they were able to do that uh, through a reward currency uh, in, in that community. And I think we can do the same thing on a larger scale, and we have to uh, do that on a larger scale. Um, 
you know, in terms of climate, one of the things uh, that uh, I talk about a lot is, you know, uh, we, we tend to have this tendency of pushing responsibility down to the individual. Okay, you know, we all just need to, um, you know, measure our carbon footprint and be responsible and, uh, you know, recycle and all, all this other stuff. Um, but, you know, this is not something that can actually scale. We need to actually change uh, change the systems. Right now, every company, every municipality is drawing out their 2050 plans of how they will be carbon neutral. And do we change the lights to be more efficient, put up solar? Uh, do we need? It's fine that they're doing all these things to get more efficient, but that's not going to get you certainly to be net positive. Uh, it'll allow you to chart a direction very slowly where you uh, do less harm. Um, but right now, there is uh, one single thing uh, that they could do in order to transform um, their entire entity to be regenerative, right? So if there's a carbon coin, with that carbon coin, uh, you can actually then um, essentially pay for all of the historical emissions that you've made, as well as make sure that you have um, you know, no net negative uh, carbon emissions. If you had uh, a biodiversity coin, uh, you could then look at your impact on biodiversity and again, get net positive or move into an earth positive uh, direction. So what I see is that um, we have everyone that has kind of a balance sheet. Um, I have some assets, um, you know, one might be a car, for example, uh, or a home. Um, and uh, I also have liabilities. Um, and one of the liabilities we all share uh, is um, is carbon. We're all, you know, we've we've all emitted carbon. Um, you know, whether it's this T-shirt that I'm wearing, you know, or the communications network and computers that we're using, everything, you know, is 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 using carbon. Um, and uh, and so, for me to mitigate my liabilities, I should have some carbon assets. So, if as part of my asset portfolio, I have these natural assets like a forest that's regenerative, that's drawing down carbon, that asset then balances my liabilities, right? And so that works up to company level to, you know, government levels where, um, you know, at each level, uh, we should look at what are our liabilities um, and balance those out so that we have assets that more than match the liabilities. Otherwise, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're essentially bankrupt, right? So I see a future yeah. in which... Uh, you know, in which we all uh, start to have natural capital in our portfolio as assets to balance the liabilities, things like carbon coins, things like biodiversity coins, water coins, uh, resilience coins, things like that. So then if you go and buy carbon coins to offset your uh, carbon um, emissions, mm -hmm. then that would go to someone else in the system that decided to plant trees for example um so that will finance someone else in the system that will do something that's positive and 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 you kind of claim that tree to be yours but yeah or so, you could do it yourself of, of course as well i guess <laughs> so yeah the way that uh you know the carbon credits and carbon coins work and there's a, a number of them out there now uh for example klimadao um has their um you know uh, NCT Nature Carbon Token, which is you know uh, uh, represents a ton of um, carbon uh, that is uh, mitigated or sequestered uh, from the atmosphere. And so, what I can do is I can buy, I can look at my carbon footprint living in Portugal, uh, not traveling so much right now. Average, I think, is probably 
uh, somewhere around 10 tons a year, but I do travel a few times, so I might carbon, do a carbon calculation and find that I'm, you know, I'm at 25 tons of carbon per year. Um, and then I look at, uh, for example, um, you know, how, how many years I've lived and so on and so forth and my whole family, I could come up with like a certain amount of carbon, uh, that I'd want to offset to pay for all of my, um, carbon emissions. And let's say that, uh, I've calculated that, you know what, um, for my whole family, if I actually, um, you know, uh, buy a thousand tons of carbon coins and then retire them. Um, then, you know, I will have paid for all my past emissions. So I'm buying this carbon coin and then I can, then I can retire that coin actually, and then mitigate, uh, the thousand tons of carbon. Um, and what that's done is first by me buying the carbon coin, uh, that has basically created greater demand and therefore the price, uh, of carbon coins goes up. That means that, mm -hmm. um, I'm going to be incentivizing projects that are mitigating carbon, um, whereas if I'm selling the coin, I'm pressing, I'm, I'm, I'm pushing it down. And then when I'm retiring the carbon credit, actually, um, that carbon is gone, right? So, uh, it, it then, you know, then, uh, as well increases the upward pressure on carbon, right? Just like, you know, if there's, you know, a uh, hundred thousand bottles of a particular, uh, vintage wine, um, and I've just bought a thousand of these bottles and I've consumed them or retired them. You know, now there's less and people are going to see, oh, wow, there's less of that specific wine, right? That's disappeared from the supply and it'll increase the price. And then, of course, incentivize the winery to produce more, more wine. And that's, that's kind of what we want to do, yeah. incentivize, you know, more of these projects because it's not enough for companies just to pledge to be carbon neutral. We actually have to incentivize investing in future projects, um, especially the afforestation projects, which can take, in the case of mangroves, five years before significant carbon credits are achieved for slower growing trees. It could be 10, 15 years before uh, these are mitigated, right? So we need a lot of upfront investment into those areas, into future carbon, um, and not just, uh, not just, you know, retire current carbon credits like the, mm -hmm. uh, like companies are doing. Mm. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it feels quite tangible, actually, um, more tangible than it usually feels when talking about these kind of subjects. So that's good. <laughs> um, yeah. So um, to wrap up then, so in a utopian world then, um, if we manage to do this transition, how will life in the regenerative, regenerative economy look like? <laughs> um. <laughs> that's a beautiful question. Um, and uh, yeah, um, it's a really nice kind of... Uh, exercise called backcasting to really put yourself into future and what does that future look like in 50 years or in 100 years um and um what what i see um what i what i see is humanity in harmony with nature right that we're we're not a, an extractive force but we're actually you know helping um uh all of life thrive um you know i i, I see that we've played a role in um, uh, protecting and regenerating vital ecosystems, um, that we are uh, just immersed uh, in the beauty of nature, uh, nature kissed, as a friend of mine said, you know, mm -hmm. um, I see a world that's uh, green, that's colorful, that's blue, um, with, uh, you know, clean water, clean air for us to breathe. 
wonderful forests, diverse forests, uh, lots of fields of flowers, uh, prairies, uh, pristine mountains. Um, so uh, I see um, kind of a world uh, that was there before humans, <laughs> humans were there. Um, but uh, I see our presence uh, as actually enhancing that because we played a role in actually protecting and regenerating that and, uh, you know, uh, hopefully brought back species uh, that were on the verge of extinction uh, back into, mm-hmm. you know, into thriving species. And we know we've, we can do this. We've done this for certain species of whales, for example, that were in the, that we drove to, this, to the brink of extinction, but then, you know, we managed to protect mm-hmm. as well. So I think that, that, uh, you know, if we in the future look at, at ourselves as, um, as regenerators and protectors of life, then we all have remembered our more, most important mission, right? And and the, the the mission is protect life, right? That is the mm-hmm. highest mission that that any human being um, can can actually realize. Mm-hmm. Um, I see us having a lot of fun, right? I see us having having you know tons of uh, you know tons of time to pursue our passions because you know we have AI and robotics that can do all the menial stuff that we don't want to you know do anymore. Um, you know they'll they'll make sure the you know the solar you know the solar systems are working efficiently and so on and so forth and uh and that um you know whatever we decide to uh put our um our focus on will be a, a passion so i i see mm-hmm. a lot of people pursuing the arts uh music uh writing um you know dancing um creating uh doing extreme sports um you know uh I see a lot of, uh, you know, social gatherings that are really, really fun, amazing, you know, concerts and parties. Um, I see, uh, you know, us uh, as explorers and adventurers, um, you know, on this earth, you know, on, um, you know, on other planets, of course, as well. I see this incredible uh, unleashing of human uh, potential. Um, And most importantly, you know, I see that uh, everyone is taken care of, right? Like fundamentally, there's not going to be a class of people that doesn't have enough uh, to sustain themselves. Um, it's not a communist society where everyone is, you know, uh, you know, uh, the same, and there's not no incentive for doing positive things. I, I think that, uh, you know, there'll always be incentives, and there'll always be, you know, some people who are, you know, super successful financially, maybe. Uh, and others less so, but that's not going to going to hinder um, you know anyone having uh, being able to pursue what they really want to do. And so I see a world in which uh, human beings, every human being, actually receives a share of uh, the most important dividends uh, that uh, that there are in the world, which is uh, part of the dividends of Mother Earth, right? So. Imagine that you had a coin uh, which measured the health uh, of ecosystems, let's say in the Amazon, and imagine that every uh, Brazilian received a share of that. So when part of the rainforest is cut and burned down, uh, these daily dividends that are a function of, let's say, the ecosystem services, the carbon it draws down, the oxygen it produces, and so on, um, suddenly you can see that this this asset that's creating these dividends is starting to shrink and, and hurt. Mm-hmm. And, and whereas if someone is starting to regenerate, uh, then, you know, that, that asset base is actually growing. Uh, and if we have a living income from the health of uh, nature, um, basically provide uh, this universal basic income that everyone is talking about uh, as a very foundation, then, you know, then we're not going to have any, uh, you know, any, of the desperation that leads to um, 
you know, the, the destruction of nature uh, for, for so little gain. Mm. Um, and uh, uh, to the contrary, we then have the incentives uh, to actually protect and regenerate. Um, I see a world in which those that are doing good are rewarded for it, right? So again, not communism, everyone getting the same, but like, hey, if you're planting, you know, uh, a million mangrove trees, um, you know, that's, gosh, you know, those those should be the new millionaires, <laughs> right? As opposed to the person who's cutting the million mangrove trees, which is in the current, you know, uh, the, the current uh, system. Uh, so creating... Um, creating, uh, you know, uh, in a way, um, incentives that, uh, that, that move, move us into an earth positive, uh, direction. Um, uh, so in short, I see a world of regenerative abundance. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and that one is inspired by Olivia Tyrone, who has a website, uh, called Rebundance and a creative leadership class where she takes us through those kind of backcasting exercises as well. Um, mm. yeah, super good question. Um, and, um, you know, uh, and I think that, uh, you know, a future like that, um, is, is, is possible. Um, I think that we have everything that we need to be in order to get there. Um, the way there, of course, uh, is going to be, um, you know, uh, uh, it's going to take time, um, and it's going to take a lot of perseverance, um, in this period that the existing systems collapse. And that's the, the key thing to recognize is that sadly, the new cannot emerge without the old disappearing, right? So we're, we're, we're in, a, in a period in the coming decades um, uh, where there will be um, a lot of chaos. Um, and uh, and that's, the, that's the period when we have to be resilient. Uh, we need to have Sisu, as, uh, as our Finnish, Finnish friends uh, have, have come up with, uh, the, the art of courage. Um, and uh, invest in these totally resilient um, uh, technologies like blockchain that empower individuals uh, to shape the future um, because you know it's us who will make that future. We cannot rely on the existing power structures to do that because they're going to be fighting for their survival right yeah. that's you know that's how I see the future right now. Thank you. That was a, a very uh, nice way to end this episode. Uh, <laughs> thank you for for that. Was a who doesn't want to live in a regenerative economy now? <laughs> <laughs> thank you, Maria. Lovely, so, lovely to speak with you. Mm. Um, and yeah, and you should also um, send through all the tips uh, so the listeners can. Uh, I'll put them on the show notes uh, so they yes, can yes. Uh, read more and listen more to it. But this has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> Yeah, thank thank you, Maria. It's been been super inspiring and uh, look forward to, to next time. That's it for today. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And if you want to read up more about the guest, then you can go to the show notes to get all of the links. And also, if you like this episode, please don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter to never miss the latest episode. Thank you for today. See you in the next episode. <laughs>